Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Situation Room. Welcome to the Situation Room. Welcome to the Situation Room. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Situation Room. I'm here with my co-host, Gabe Ferguson. He's at Gabe Fergie. I'm Jordan Coe at Raven Sit Room. And we are here, Gabe, unfortunately, over the last few weeks following wins, but this week following a loss. And this one was pretty frustrating. Yeah, the, the four-game winning streak comes to a crashing halt. Um, frustrating loss on the road to a team that I think is better than maybe – the record says their offense, at least, I think, has been performing pretty well this season. But still, that's a game you want to win. The Ravens had that game in their grasp, should have won it, um, let it get away, and it's it's annoying. You know, I'd, I'd much rather be here complaining about how bad the Ravens' offense looked after a win than how good it looked, or maybe not good, but how how improved potentially it looked after after a, a loss where they where they should have won it. And it's just it's it's just this is the, the history that we deal with with the Ravens over the past, I don't know, basically the entirety of the Lamar Jackson tenure with the Ravens since I guess not 2019, but like it's been so hard. 2020, 2021, 2022. It's like every single week is like it's just something that's not quite right. One week into the next, into the next, it's one thing or it's the other, and it's just we're here again to talk about the exact same thing over and over again. It's so frustrating to me to watch you know, a team like the Chiefs or even a team like the Bills who has had some of their own struggles and Josh Allen has not played phenomenally down the stretch here for the Bills. Obviously part of that I think is injury, Um, but still be looking or still be looking at winning games in, at a different level and a different clip and, and at least rising to expectations. I think that the, the Ravens, from a defensive perspective, are light years better than what you see from a Chiefs team. I think they're all around talent you know, in terms of offense and their ability to run and pass should be better in a lot of cases than what the Bills give you. And it just, they just leave, ultimately leave so much on the table. And, you know, I did a podcast with Kemi Cusick um, at Film Study Ravens. And, uh, you know, he was, you know, I was complaining about the offense as one is going to do after, you know, four red zone possessions in the first half and no touchdowns. And Kev was like, yeah, but they're scoring a lot of points. You know, they're like fifth or sixth in the league overall in points scored. They're still putting up, you know, decent offensive numbers. There are a lot of teams in this league that would want to have their offense. And what I said to Ken was, you know, that's all well and good. But ultimately, the upside of what this team could do is so much more, right? Like, yes, like maybe the Packers wish that they were able to score as many points as the Ravens this year. But, like, the Packers are a hot mess on offensive line. They're a hot mess at wide receiver. Like, they just – like, Aaron Rodgers has just not been the guy this year that he's been historically. It makes sense that they're not scoring as many points as the Ravens. Whereas when you look at what the Ravens are doing, you walk away from a game where you have four red zone possessions where they're just – it just feels like they have the momentum and they could have put these games away and they just on the regular continue to be unable to do it. 
not to uh, even leaving aside the choking part in the fourth quarter and whatever the heck and wherever the heck that came from from this Ravens team because that has not been a Ravens thing historically. And Gus Edwards fumbling the ball on the first play that one drive. We just you know you just see it. We've seen it time and again this year, but. There's so much potential being left on the table here. And I think I think ultimately that's the thing that, that frustrates me the most. I mean, absolutely. It's a team that we still haven't seen, you know, their A game from, I don't think. We, have, we haven't seen that game where they've played even maybe, I mean, we've probably seen like a maybe a B performance from the Ravens, but it's pretty much entirely been, you know, we'll have a good half. And, and maybe like the, the defense will play great for a half, or the, maybe the defense plays great for the whole game, and the offense plays good for a half. Like they haven't put the, the whole team effort together for four quarters yet, and until that happens, I'm still going to be skeptical that it can happen because maybe there's something that's just not, you know, working from top down that that's leaving that there, like that is leaving a plays out in the field, leaving opportunities that have not been realized. And it's it's frustrating because we want obviously the team to be playing at its best. You know, there's still some time for this team to get there. They're still in good position. I think you know we hope that maybe they could you know be a team that got a bye, but I don't think that's going to happen now. Now you're just hoping for a home field advantage probably in week one. Um, but still, like the schedule isn't hard like down the stretch. Like you have a lot of very winnable games. In theory, you know they're getting healthy in some areas, but I think we also saw that having a couple of key players out does hurt the team. You know, we saw Ronnie Stanley not being out there and the offensive line wasn't as good as it's been when you have Patrick McCarry playing left tackle as, as opposed to Ronnie Stanley, when you don't have, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much of a difference Isaiah likely makes in this game. I think Josh Oliver, you know, stepped up pretty well in that tight end two position, but you know, not having a, uh, J.K. Dobbins, you know, not ha- obviously not having Rashad Bateman. Like these kind of players are the, the difference in making a touchdown grab in the in the end zone, and you know, Marcus Robinson dropping it. So like, I think that they are just a little bit short on the talent in some areas to make up for the issues that also spring up along the way, whether it's play calling at times, sequencing of plays, not getting in the play when you need to. Like we've seen over and over and over again this year. Like there are some issues that keep cropping up and that is holding the team back. And they frankly just don't have enough talent on offense to get over that. They don't have the, I guess the wiggle room to to get over mistakes that they kind of incur by themselves. And, you know, I, I said on Twitter that this offense is fragile. Like if not everything is going perfectly, if execution fails, then you go from a team that looks like it's working really well when everything is know going according to plan and as soon as it gets a little bit off kilter it just all goes away and then it just kind of crumbles down it's it's like a jenga tower that is so like carefully like made that if one brick gets pulled out then the whole thing comes crashing down and that just seems like the ravens offense this year yeah well it seems like the ravens team this year i mean the defense is not absolved from this game or the Miami game or the Giants, any of the losses or the Giants game. Like, I mean, this is a team that has not been trailing by more than I think seven points in any game at all this year. They've not been trailing by double digits at any point this year. They've been leading every game or were they not leading this game by 10? I think they may not have been leading nine. this game. Of, they were leading yeah, by so nine. They've been leading by in every game at some point by, by at least two scores, two full scores. 
and they're seven and four. I think that there's no team ever in history that has been leading by nine in every their first eleven games. It hasn't been eleven and zero, and this team is seven and four. And so it's just, I think you know, fragile. Fragile is a word for it. I think ill prepared. You know, and, and I I hate to put this on the Ravens coaching staff because I I think that they've got a good group of guys there. But this game struck me as one where they were ill prepared, and then we had some perform some quality performances from some players, and I think we can start there um, that just weren't capitalized on. And Lamar Jackson, you know, back in his home state of Florida, decided that he was going to have a great game this week, and he really did. I mean, there was a missed throw early to Demarcus Robinson, but it's really hard to look at the performance of what Lamar had in this game. And, um, you know, a lot of drop passes, but still 250 yards on 32 attempts, second leading carrier in the game with 14 carries. I mean, Ravens asking Lamar to do a ton here um, and ultimately still letting him down. Yeah, and, and there was a point, especially in the first half, when, when the offense really seemed like it was stuck in mud. Um, and, you know, it was just Lamar kind of taking over. Like, there was several plays where there was no open receivers, and he was scrambling around like we've seen him do, and he picks up, you know, a first down on third and ten because he can do that with his legs because, you know, there was no open receiver, and that's the only way that they're going to get a first down is, is if Lamar Jackson can can do it on his own. And it's like he he literally is carrying the team on his own at, at times, and it's it's really frustrating because he's one of the best players in the league. I think we can all agree on that. He's somebody who can play and has played at an MVP caliber level, and the team is not. And I'd only say built around him. It's just it's just it's just not helping him along the way as much as it should. There should be easy offense when you have someone as talented as Lamar Jackson. But the Ravens' offense isn't easy. It, it, it's hard. It's like it's like pulling teeth. It's like watching paint dry. It's 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 so like challenging. And there's no reason why it has to be that way, aside from that direction is chosen by the Ravens' coaches and by Greg Roman. He's the guy who calls plays. And and like you said earlier, what's frustrating about it is because you see at times when it is easy, it looks so easy. Like there's wide open receivers. They put play action. They do RPOs. And it comes out often very, very well. You know, we saw a, a deep shot to Deshaun Jackson. We haven't seen deep shots to our receivers in quite some time. But, you know, we saw a couple in this game. And, you know, a couple of them were misses. So, you know, that's they're not always going to complete. But that, that play to Jackson, that was a game-changing play. Like, that was one that tilted the likelihood of the Ravens winning that game, just completing that one play. And that's all. On, that's all on Lamar, and that's a great play call to have that. You know, have your guy who's fast get behind the defense, and Lamar. I think it was like a 64-yard pass traveled in the air. It's a ridiculous throw. Um, we need to see more of that. We need to see less of like the the three-yard swing pass to like Mark Andrews when there's two guys like right out there. Like it's just figure out what's working and throw away what's not. And you know, the runs into nine box, nine-man boxes and eight-man boxes, like. That's not working. Like that's not something that is helping the team out. Like just make be smart on offense. Push the easy button. Don't push the hard button. That, that's it's well, that easy. And getting the play calls in, being in tight formations. I mean, just heavy personnel consistently used over and over. I mean, we could talk about this for 20 more minutes, but like I think the frustrating part for me, what this is the you know the 10th or 11th podcast we've done this year, and 
every game it feels like we're talking about this, or at least eight times. So that's like eight times twenty. So you know, with like like two and a half hours of my life that I already complained about, you know, the, the misusage of personnel's not having enough depth and scheme in terms of what they're trying to do vertically. Too much bunched in between the hashes, um, where you're allowing guys to take away the things that you do best and taking like making lanes more narrow. I mean, all these things still ring true. And, you know, but look, John Harbaugh says that they're trying to work on getting the play calls in quicker, and they figured that out after one half of not being able to get it in quickly because this hasn't been an issue this year or last year or the year before or in 20, even in 2019 when they were good. So, you know, I'm glad he finally noticed. Like, it's just, come on, guys. Like, like when you say it's the easy button, it's just like, why don't we start with some of, like, the basic stuff first and work our way up, and let's make sure that we're we're taking advantage of the easy stuff and then work in the difficult stuff. Let's not start with the difficult stuff and just try and do more difficult stuff, like orbit motion from Tyler Huntley. Like, who's getting fooled by that? Third and four, second and 14-yard screens to Patrick Ricard. Like, too, too cute. Too cute. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the first play of the game, they come out, they run play action, they hit Mark Andrews for a 24-yard pass. I think they ran play action three or four times on that on that drive, and they moved the ball all the way down inside the 10-yard line until they had a delay of game, and then they backed up, and then they obviously, you know, went through the whole Ravens offense process in the red zone. They aren't able to score. Um, and then, you know, it, it, it goes back to the, the the running into loaded boxes, and it goes back to the you know the the three man routes when you have like Patrick Ricard in there on third and long like like it's just it just doesn't make sense to do, do these things repeatedly you see it every single week fail and then you go back and you do it again and you see the plays that work and you, you okay you're like you do them for like a series and then you forget that it works it's just like well, everybody watching the game can see what's working, what's not working. Every The, the, po- the opponent can see what's working, what's not working. And maybe that's <laughs> part of the problem is, like, like he's out thinking himself. He's like, oh, it, it worked before, so they're going to adjust for it, so I can't do that again. Like, if it's if it's an easy thing to do, then just do it. Like, do it until they show it's not working. Like, that's what you should be doing, not trying to outthink it and, like, trying to, you know, think two steps ahead of what, what you know, the opposing, opposing defense might try and take away. Just, like... If they're not able to stop it, then don't they don't stop it. So, I don't know. I, I'm just. Will we see a change this year? Like, is there ever going to be a point where like they say, okay, maybe this was the point where they figure out the, the timing and the delay of game thing. Like, this is the, the this game where it happened and it was like in a critical point and like it happened basically on back to back plays. They almost got a delay of game on back to back plays. It was like zero seconds when the ball got hiked after the initial delay of game. Like, it's absurd. It's absurd to let that happen. On the fourth down call, this one, this is the, the that fourth. Let's let's talk about this fourth down call for a minute because it's just so aggravating. I mean, it's like you're watching Madden. First of all, you're wa- you're watching somebody play Madden because they've called the same play call that they called before. But but and that's not even the thing that drives me the craziest about that play. And that drove me pretty freaking crazy because it wasn't like the same play from a different formation. It wasn't like the same play running to the left instead of the right. It wasn't like exact. Same play, and maybe there was some variation, and the Ravens just like it was in the vault, and it didn't get there. I don't fuck, I don't know. Like, who knows? But the thing that really got me riled up about that play is that the Ravens thought they had picked up the first down there, right? They knew that it was being measured. They knew that there was a chance that they weren't going to get the first down there. 
And and it took them about 45 seconds to a minute to straighten that out before they reset the play clock. And that's when you get the play call in. So you have a minute in that moment to be thinking about two things. Thinking about, okay, what are we going to do? We want to do it on first down. But hey, what if I don't get the first down, right? The other thing is, in practice, this is my understanding of how it works in the NFL. And maybe I just, maybe I'm just stupid. And maybe I don't get how this works. But my, my general sense of it is over the course of the week in practice, you're really keying on what the opponent's strengths are and weaknesses are and what they've been trying to do on third and shorts all season long. And you install, I don't know, five to eight, third and short, fourth and short, second and short, whatever yardage plays, right? Like maybe five or eight runs, five or eight passes. These are the packages. You have 16 to maybe 20 choices at the top end of that, right? That you are going to choose between these. What on earth could possibly take a minute and a half to make that kind of decision? Like, like that is, that is some like cheaty from the good place, epic inability to like make a decision and get it in and overthink it right into the ground. And then, and then of all the things that you choose, you choose the thing that you did six plays earlier. I can't. Um, and there was only one second on the play clock when, when they actually snapped the bottom. I don't know if you noticed that on, on that fourth and one. That was Well, they had to because there was no – like, why they didn't call timeout when, but when they broke the huddle with less than 10 seconds left in the play clock there, like that's a moment that you've got to call timeout. And I think the Ravens ended up going into the half with timeouts in the fold. So, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's absurd on so many levels. Like, and – I think this was just a badly coached game. Like it was, they weren't prepared. I don't think on defense when you know the, the Jaguars made some adjustments. They they had, I thought they had a decent game plan on offense because I think overall, like when they were actually using play action, like they were finding open receivers and they were getting chunk yardage, and that was working really well. Um, they weren't running the ball well, though. If it, aside from Lamar Jackson with some scrambles and a couple design runs, like the running game was not good in this one. They, they, the Jaguars kind of. I think, I think NFL teams in general have kind of learned how to attack the Ravens' read play. Like whenever they do that counter kind of read, teams are just hammering behind. They're they're coming in behind the pullers from the weak side, from the back side, and they're crashing in on on like the mesh point and it's disrupting those plays and we've seen a few iterations of how the ravens have tried to stop that like in the past one time they've had moses kind of like or the, the puller the pulling tackle kind of like stop and block the guy who's coming from behind and that's helped but they don't seem to be doing that in the past couple of weeks and and they've had those plays like blown up multiple times so now they're going to use more wide receiver motion, which I think is a good way of doing it because it keeps one more player honest. It keeps the backside defender, at least one of them, honest. Um, so they were able to do that on a short yardage play that worked. Um, obviously, you know, they had the Tyler Huntley short yardage play. I think that uh, picked up a positive yardage. Um, but they, they, they just, in general, in this game, I don't know if it was because, you know, we mentioned earlier Stanley being out. I think that probably hurt a little bit. He's a better player than McCarry is a better pass protector, a better run blocker. Um, but I also thought that just in general, they, they weren't getting any push in, in this game. There were a couple of runs that, that Edwards had, but like for the most part, they were getting stuffed um, and they, they didn't have any kind of 
pivot from that. Um, I mean, the pivot should have been just passing the ball more, and I think that's kind of what opened things up a little bit more in the second half when they did one more play, one more play action. They did use a little bit more um, spread offense looks, and it actually worked pretty well. Um, but it was a little bit too little too late because in the first half, when you had these opportunities down in the red zone, they just thawed out, um, and that that really hurt them because they couldn't run the ball. They couldn't run the ball when they got in close, and, and- that's a problem for this team. And even their red zone looks when they score touchdowns are not that great. Like the shovel pass to Mark Andrews was a disaster and almost wasn't a touchdown. That's a two-yard play. Was, yeah, a two-point play. Oh, that was the two-point play. Yeah, still same concept. And Andrews just ran right into the defender that was being blocked right into him instead of going behind his blocker. That was crazy. Gus Edwards almost didn't get in on his touchdown. Obviously, Oliver was wide open on, on his. Um and they should be more plays like what we what you saw from Josh Oliver, right? Where they used a committed play action, and you know Josh Oliver looked like a blocker, leaks out, and he's going to be wide open. But like they work so hard in the opportunities that they have to get. It's always tight windows. It's always you know Lamar running for dear life to the right or to the left, and all the angles are getting cut off everywhere, and he has to overcome that. And it's just like let's just let's just live our best lives and. And and do something, you know. Let's let's just spread out. Let's not not all stand as close together. Let's not run routes to the exact same spot. Um, and let's see what happens when we do that, you know. And let's let's run the same concepts without different formations, um, and different personnel. Um, and and let's just let's see if it works. Who knows? I think I, I think it could actually go a long way. Yeah, it's and and one of the issues we have, I think, I mean, we have to, we mentioned it. I have to talk a little bit about it. Is Patrick Ricard. Um, I like Patrick Carr. He's a good fullback. I think he's a cool story, you know, convert from defensive tackle, yada, yada, yada. We all know it. He can't be the guy who's on the field as much as he is. Like, he's – I was looking at the Ravens offensive skill position players, and, yes, we've had some injuries at, you know, various positions, wide receiver, tight end, et cetera. He's their third most used skill position player, your fullback. Crazy. That is cra- That is an outlandish stat. I- and it's close to being first. Like he is, he's like six behind Devin DuVernay and like I think 40 snaps behind Mark Andrews. And he is someone who, yes, he's good in short yardage. He's good. He's a good run blocker. He's a decent pass blocker. So if you want to use him on, on some play action, like that makes sense, you know, get, get an opposing defense to keep the extra linebacker on the field, whatever you want to do. I think that's helpful in opening up some abilities down the field. That's great. He should not be on there in second and long, third and long. There's no reason why he's on the field. If you want to have somebody in there as a pass protector, use a tight end. Use someone who's actually capable of, you know, leaking out and picking up some yardage after after the catch if, if it comes to that. I mean, Ricard should not be getting targets in the passing game. I mean, well, maybe, and, and maybe... It's okay sometimes to signal that you're going to do something by putting a certain player on the field. So when a sixth offensive lineman comes on the field, yes. that's okay because you know you're going to be running the ball. So using Patrick Ricard as a tool in that sense that you are ably better to run block, this is a running situation. We're going to try and take advantage of that. Maybe 10%, 12%, 18 to 20% of the time you pass out of those situations. It feels like Ricard is in the game, you're talking about 35, 45 plus percent of the amount of time are, are called passing plays with Patrick Ricard on the field. That is just, that is not using him to his fullest advantage um, to benefit this team. You know, th- there's an element of surprise and then there's an element of 
The other team are elite NFL players doing the best that they can to to win football games, and they're going to be smart and capable as well. And you're only going to be able to outsmart people so often. And I mean that the whole premise of the Ravens' offense under Greg Roman really is this like like he. It's one of those problems where he just thinks he's smarter than everybody else. Like the intention is that we're going to run three or four guys on and off the field every play. We're going to try and use those substitutions to get you to miss substitute. We're going to hope that you make a miss substitution in that process. And we are going to take advantage of that with a really complex play call that you're going to have to be really tight to be able to defend. And as, as the league has caught up to how to defend all of those things, the gap of that advantage continues to, to dissipate away. And so the advantage then switches from the substitutions and the packages and the complexity to just having to have the better player sometimes. And, and that's how it is in any business, in any sport, in anything. Sometimes you just have to be the better player and do the thing that you do really best. And asking Patrick Ricard to be on the field on second and 14 is not asking him to do what he is best at. Yeah, it, it's just – and it's not really fair to him. I think you're not using him no. as, a, as the player that he should be used as. He's as asking him to do things that he's not really – um, meant to be doing, frankly, it's not his skill set. Like he should be a guy who's in there on on run plays, not all run plays, but some run plays certainly. Um, short yardage, absolutely. Play action, absolutely. Like there's some benefit to having him out there. But he shouldn't be on the field for 200 pass plays th- through the course of the season, and that's the numbers that he's been out there. Like it's it's just it's just not good offense. Um, it's not good usage of your players. You have wide receivers. They're not maybe the best wide receivers in the NFL, but they're capable players. You know, DuVernay and, and Andrews, um, and, and I mean, likely he's, he's proven to be decent. I, even like Josh Oliver, he's shown that he can be a, like a usable pass catcher in this offense. Like he's not a nobody. Um, I think those are the guys that you want to be using. You want to be using 12 personnel. You have more versatility in what you can do offensively. You can still run out of 12. Like how many times have we talked about this? You can run out of 12 personnel. You don't have to be this like 21, 22, whatever you want to call it. It's it's just absurd to do it at the level that they do it. And like there's a time and place where you should have some packages for it, but it's overused by at least like two to three times. And, you know, the, the Eagles are, like, the best running team in the NFL this year, and they don't have a fullback on their roster. They use – they're mostly 11 personnel and some 12. Like, they – And their top tight end is injured right yards. now. With, that, with, their, with their best tight end out exactly, on the IR. Exactly. <laughs> they ran for 350 yards almost predominantly out of 11 personnel this past Monday night – or Sunday night. It's, it's yep. like, show that to Greg Roman and say – do this. You have players that you can do that with. It makes it easier on your offense to not be in this heavy group and not constantly be changing your personnel every single play. And you can run out of 10 personnel. You can run out of 11 personnel. They're, like The Ravens could run out of like zero personnel. Like quite honestly, with Lamar Jackson, like there are like this this notion that you have to be in heavy to run. That there has to be motion to run. And the the other problem with getting the play calls in so late is that the Ravens do use motion to their advantage. That's part of what makes their running game very good. And I'm not saying not to use that, but if that's the case, you need more like nine to eleven seconds left in the play clock to get your call in to let your quarterback make any adjustments that he needs to make to survey the field, to get everybody an opportunity to do that, to then activate the motion and then snap the ball, right? So you, if you're used to motioning and you take that away because you're not getting the play call in fast enough, then you take away the ability to motion as well, right? And then you've got Lamar 
you, you were also giving the defense the advantage of like just roaring off the snap because you you probably saw it like eight or nine different times in this game. Lamar stamping his foot, trying to get the ball to be snapped to him. There's no deception there. The, the defenders know they're roaring off the snap in those instances too, and you are doing no favors to the running game or the passing game when you're in those situations. And, and the other issue with having the heavy personnel on the field so often is if if you're aligned in like this tight formation, you have you know two tight ends and a fullback and a, and a tailback in the box, and you know you're going against somebody who has you know eight nine defenders in the box. Lamar, what's his option to check out? Like, how are you, you? Don't have a real pass option, a real pass threat on the field, and like, you you need to have more versatile players on the field so you can say, okay, we're going to change formation from this like tight run looking formation to then going into like a a three by you know formation like a, a trips left or or whatever you want to do with the same guys you have. If you have two wide receivers and two tight ends, you have much more. Uh, available to you from a from a passing offense than you do if you have a fullback because then you you don't have like the route combinations that you can potentially use so like it just makes sense schematically to allow you to get out of bad situations and that gives Lamar Jackson more responsibility and more ability to make the right call according to what he's seeing on the field because the plays where you are running into eight and nine man boxes just isn't working it hasn't worked all year like maybe you pop off one or two of them for a big play because you have it blocked and executed perfectly and you get like a big run out of it like that's great like but that's not happening most of the time that's happening like maybe like five percent of your plays and most of the plays that you're running into those bad looks you're you're gaining a yard or losing a yard like that's that's the majority of them yeah it's i mean it's frustrating and i mean i think Another loss that sees the offense completely stall out for an entire half or to see any of those lack of adjustments. I asked the question on the podcast last week. I said, what is it going to take to see a change as it relates to Greg Roman? I didn't think a loss to the Jacksonville, you know, even if it was possible. And I don't even think a loss in that. What who is is who is the next game? Denver. Denver. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think, I don't even think a really bad offensive performance. I don't think they'd lose to Denver. Knock on wood. I, I don't think that would be a really tough hill to swallow. I think a loss to Denver and a bad offensive performance would definitely see Roman gone. I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, that being said, I think a loss to Pittsburgh and another bad, bad offensive performance in that game, whether, whether they win or lose the Denver game, still remains kind of the red circle game to me where that's the amount of time left to say, okay, this isn't working. We, we, you know, and especially with Harbaugh today saying, you know, during the press conference and right after the game, basically, or during the game when in the second first half interview that he did basically saying, we've got it, we've got to get the play call in quicker. I mean, that, that seems like a clear two times shot fired towards Greg Roman of there's got to be some kind of change here because this isn't working. Yeah, and I mean, I'm glad that you're finally having a conversation about it, at least like you're willing to like acknowledge it in like in an interview that there is an issue there, um, because obviously we've been seeing this issue for years. Like this isn't a new, this isn't a this week thing, this isn't a last week thing, this isn't a 2022 season thing. This is a Greg Roman's history as a play caller thing. Like he, you this goes back, back to his time in San Francisco. Absolutely, San Francisco, Buffalo. Like he's always had issues with this. Like there's you know there's there's people who 
keep track of these kind of things. And it's, it's not something that's new. Yeah, it's called the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, like, like uh, it's been written about a lot. And it's not just like sub bloggers, subreddits. Like, it's not just like, it's not just like fans that are seeing this. Like, this is, these are well troped national, you know, nationally regarded writers that have a history of kind of putting this on him. So if that's not, you know, a shot fired to Greg Roman, I don't know what is. And, you know, hopefully that wakes him up and sees, change for whatever it needs to be but uh, this is a game where the, and we could talk about the defense now but it shouldn't have mattered what we got from the defense in this game because the offense should have at least 10 more points at least 10 more points they moved the ball really well like yeah. you can't you can't take that away from them i mean they, i think they had six over six yards per play in this no, you game can't, you like, can't take, no no no. you can't take that away from them though if you if the, this is the red zone performance that you're going to yes. have with this quarterback i like I, and again it goes back to potential you have to get better out of it and and in today's nfl if, if you're going to be able to move the ball into the red zone that much you have got to be able to score touchdowns to win games it is yeah. just you just have to i i mean i i was <laughs> I don't know why I was doing this, but I look, look back at some of the tweets I was sending out during the game. And first quarter, of course, left eight points on the board. Hope it doesn't come back to bite them. You know, like it did, obviously. Like you were inside a 20 t- twice and you're not scoring touchdowns. Like those, even one of those, if even one of those had ended up in a touchdown, this is a completely different game. Like it's just, I don't know, that, that, we can move off from offense because it's just frustrating to talk about. It's the same thing. Um, you know, defensively, this was a game that I thought that there might be a, a few issues potentially because, you know, the Jaguars are coming off a bye. Like, they're at home. Like, their offense is, has been better, like, than the, the numbers might suggest on, like, the surface. If you look at, like, kind of the underlying things, like, they've actually moved the ball pretty well. Um, it didn't look good in the first half. The Ravens were really good against them. And then, I don't know, the, the Jaguars seemed to, like, unlock something. Like, they either they were doing good in-game adjustments, figuring out what the Ravens' defense was doing, attacking them. Because in the fourth quarter, I think they had half their yards in the fourth quarter. They definitely had half their points in the fourth quarter. Like, they they figured out exactly what they needed to do to attack this, this defense. Um, you know, we, we saw them using their running back out of the backfield very effectively. They had you know, three wide receivers that they were willing to target – um, and the Ravens just didn't have either the personnel or the scheme in, in order to stop them in, in this when it mattered. And, and that's something that I was disappointed to see because I thought that the Ravens defense had turned a corner after the past couple of weeks. But then we've also identified the cornerback as an issue for this team. And there, if there was a weakness, it might it might be that cornerback position. And we saw it crap raise its ugly head again in this game and in the most pivotal times the cornerback position was was a big weakness you know i think the conversation about the defense starts with the opposing quarterback and trevor lawrence had a very good game and looked very much the part of a first round first overall pick in the nfl draft and and what he should be his arm strength was phenomenal his accuracy was phenomenal his first readability was also phenomenal. And and you give any player with that kind of arm talent open looks on their first reads and they're going to take advantage of it. And that's really that's really mostly what happened in this game. That when the first read that Lawrence was looking for, he could take, 
he took advantage of it. When it wasn't there, he really struggled, quite frankly, um, for a game where he got the ball out really quickly, consistently. He was looking to his first read, looking to get the ball out. When that didn't happen, um, he was throwing the ball out of bounds. He was running for his life. He was sacked four times in a game that he got the ball out quickly. The pass rush was, was you know, pretty non-existent overall for most of the game, and yet the Ravens still had four sacks. So if they could force him out of that first read and not into what he thought he was seeing from the defense – they were going to be successful. They were just never able to make that adjustment for figuring out what Lawrence was looking for in that first read and giving giving away what they were going to, what kind of defense they were going to be in, allowing the Jaguars to be ready for that and to make that first throw. And so Lawrence was fantastic about that. And you still have to be a very good quarterback to do that, right? Not every quarterback is going to do that. Like Jacoby Brissett is not going to be able to do that, right? Like, Pickett is not going to be able to do that. There, There's a long list of quarterbacks that are not going to be able to do what Trevor Lawrence did. That being said, there was no adjustment from the Ravens when it became abundantly clear that that's exactly what the Jaguars were looking to do. They were hunting the corner in the cover two above Marcus Peters and trying to create conflict with him by keeping a route on a drag or the wide receiver swing in front of him. So Peters had to make some kind of decision about what was in front of him and behind him. And especially when it was Peters and Clark behind him, they were taking full advantage of kind of where that hole sits between the corner and the safety in those instances. That's where the hasty touchdown came from. That's where one of the fourth down conversion completions came from. There were a lot of throws into that spot. Again, really tough throw to make, right? Like not an easy throw to make, but Trevor Lawrence was consistently making those throws consistently looking and taking advantage of that. When that wasn't there, when they weren't in that look, then they were attacking Brandon Stevens, like you were just saying. And they were going after the third corner in those situations, IDing where he was, the Ravens, for whatever reason. And Stevens is a big physical guy. We're not letting him be a press. It wasn't like a press Tampa, like, like push and run cover two. It was more of like a soft cloud flat as opposed to like a, a cloud buzz. Um, which is what I think it should have been instead. Um, and that really just like left them to, to really just pick on Brandon Stevens consistently over the top as well. Um, and so it was either underneath, like on the two point conversion, there was a big third down play, um, that was behind Stevens. They just, he just, you know, Marcus Peters didn't have a great game in his own right. Um, but I thought Brandon Stevens had a much worse game <laughs> in terms of getting picked on. And, and that's not his fault either because he's not as good as Marcus Peters. You've just got to be ready to make an adjustment for that if you're Baltimore. Yeah, and I, I think that as it's it's supposed to be a game of chess, right? Like as one team comes out and makes a move, and then the other team tries to counter it, and then you counter the counter. Um, and I think that in this game, the Ravens just you know they had their first move and they kind of just sat with it and they said, okay, we're just going to play it like this, and we're going to make you beat us, and we're not going to show you more things and. Uh, you mentioned they played a lot of cover two, and you're absolutely right. Like that was where they got beat on some of the most critical plays in the game. Um, the, like you said, the the wheel route, or it wasn't even a wheel route to Hasty. He was just he was just like lined up as a wide receiver, and and that was the first touchdown they had. That play was another instance where the Ravens needed to call timeout because Marcus Peters. So Hasty was on the outside to the right of that play. Marcus Peters was inside of Hasty and moved in because he thought Hasty was going to come back into the backfield. He came all the way in to right next to the outside linebacker, and Hasty never moved in. Trevor Lawrence made some kind of motion to him. Marcus Peters ran back out. That's when they snapped the ball. In that instance, when when that is what has happened, I want a timeout called on the field because it, it, it was not surprising to me at all after the result of that that it turned into a touchdown. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think there was some miscommunication a couple of times maybe in his defense, and I, th- I do think that there have been opportunities when you don't get the right look that you want to see, and I feel like the Ravens coaching staff, and, and this ultimately comes down to Harbaugh, is not so willing to use a timeout. He wants, to, I mean, he generally tries to save timeouts, I think, instead of using them in critical situations. And sometimes when you have a a play call where you're in a bad spot, whether it was in the Ravens fourth and one on offense or on a defensive snap where you're, you're in a poor alignment. I think those are situations where you need to ID that and say, okay, we're going to take a timeout because we're in the wrong position here. Or, you know, even going back to like earlier in the season, like there was a Miami game and like when, when they had that long bomb Tyree kill and there's, he was isolated in coverage and there's nobody else even playing like safety in everybody else was at the line of scrimmage call timeout, like get your defense in the right position before you allow that to happen. Like that's on the coaching staff to me. Like you need to see that and be willing to say, okay, I'm going to burn a timeout here, get in the right defense and make sure that doesn't happen. You know, I thought there was a couple of times on that last defense, defensive drive when the, when the Jaguars scored their go ahead game that, you know, maybe the Ravens want to use a timeout here because they're being moved down the field. You know, the Jaguars are in a hurry up, um, especially if one of those plays was like not um, it was a dead ball, or like you had gone out of bounds or something, and the, the clock was stopped anyway. Give yourselves, a, give your guys a break. You know, rotate your personnel. Get somebody in there who's fresh. Um, you know, they had Jason Pierre-Paul out there for like a bunch of plays in a row, and he's not your best pass rusher. You should have had like Houston in there. I don't. It's just like opportunities where you could have been a little bit more aggressive and getting the right personnel, getting them a, getting them some rest, getting them into a, a different play call, you know, changing things up a little bit. And they just didn't take that opportunity. Um, they ended up having two timeouts at the end of the game because they didn't have time to even use them. So like, I know. Th- I mean, maybe the Jaguars score earlier and you use those timeouts. But it didn't happen that way. So I, I just think that it it wasn't a well-coached game on either side of the field. And I think the defense, even more so, was not really up to the task in this one because of you know what we talked about, not making adjustments with their scheme, showing the same things over and over again, and then allowing the, the opposing offense to attack them. You know, they, they had these play calls that were – pretty well scripted to give, like you said, Lawrence an easy read. If this is the defense you see, we're having somebody who's there and, you know, line out 10 times. It seemed like it was working. Um, didn't always work. And that's maybe why a couple sacks landed and we got, got him off the, got him uncomfortable a few times, but for the most part, it was, it was pretty effective against the Ravens defense. Well, and misusing timeouts when in the first half is fine. You know, at the end of the day, like, like if you, like, in the first half of a game, especially when it's as close as this one, if the end of the half doesn't end as perfectly as you might want, that's one thing. I can understand wanting to save your, your timeouts and ending a game with timeouts reserved because you need them. But in the first half, you know, they, they call that timeout on like the hasty touchdown, you know, instead, that's all the difference in the game overall anyway. And you have a lot of time to make up for your mistakes in those instances. And so, you know, same with that fourth down call where they didn't call timeout. That, that was ridiculous. Like, like I, I, that was, Harbaugh has to be hearing the play call come in. I mean, the play call is, is coming in and getting to Lamar almost so late that Roman isn't even able to talk to him 
by the time he gets the play call into him. And maybe that wasn't even the play call that was supposed to come in, and Lamar just called the same play again because it didn't get to him in enough time. Who the heck knows? Because I think in 10 seconds, the communication to the quarterback's, like, headset turns off. So, you know, ah, it, 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 it was a frustrating performance and kind of like an adjustment perspective, and I think that the Ravens, hopefully getting Kyle Hamilton back, getting Marcus Williams back can make some kind of difference. It seemed like... The Ravens have been really good so far this year playing chess with the front seven or with a pass rush iteration of what they kind of show quarterbacks. And and we saw that in this game with Lawrence when they were able to confuse the initial front look that Lawrence got. Um, and it wasn't what he thought that 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 was troubling for him. And, and then that's where it made him second guess it, clutch it, and then not ultimately make the conversion or, or make the play. They've got to be able to figure out how to do that sometimes on the front end and sometimes on the back end. And so, you know, whether that's getting Chuck Clark to be a robber instead of out of a cover two look, showing a cover two, being in a cover three, getting a little bit more variance in some of those packages. And maybe you just don't. Like you were saying earlier, maybe you just don't feel like you have the personnel in this game to do that, um, and you don't feel like you were quite there and ready for it. But um, it just felt like there were a couple small tweak adjustments that could have happened that would have made all the difference. And you left a really good performance from the defensive line on the table in this game. Um, the Ravens absolutely shut down the Jaguars' running game. Um, they got nowhere in this game. They played dominant on the interior, I thought, up front, except for a couple runs. And look, that's going to happen. It was like, what, 12 carries for 28 yards in the lead back of the Jaguars or, um, you know, whatever the numbers ended up being specifically. They, they wasted that performance by then not being able to make, like you were saying, that chess counter move from the back seven once the Jaguars were just like, well, obviously we're not getting there on this. Um, and the Ravens weren't able to make them pay. Yeah, and I, I think... When they were doing things up front, we saw a couple times, you know, there was some confusion from um, from Trevor Lawrence when they were, like, you know, showing blitz and he, he checked into, like, you know, a, a wide receiver screen once or twice and like, tried to look for his hot a couple times. Um, that type of, you know, approach on the front end can be reciprocated on the back. You know, you can show one thing and kind of move into a different coverage. You know, after seeing like kind of the success that they had against the cover two, you can easily show cover two and then fall back into the cover four. Like, like that's not a typical thing. You're like your safeties in the middle; they don't even have to move. Like, you can basically have them have the same similar coverage coverage responsibilities in the middle of the field, um, and then you have, you know, your your cornerbacks basically kind of playing man on the outside as opposed to playing um, the the you know the underneath. Um, and, and they didn't do that at all in this game. Like, I, I don't mean, I haven't, I haven't watched it all 22, so maybe they did it a little bit. But it didn't look like, at least in the, in the plays, especially down the stretch, that the, I don't see any cover for it at all. Especially when, you know, this is a defense that, you know, I think has the personnel to do that. They have safeties that are qualified, I think, in that area. The corners definitely. Um, I mean, you basically just have your outside guys dropping back, and you have Humphrey kind of, like, matching up with whoever's in the slot. And I think that's a good look for you underneath with, with, with Ron Smith as well. Like that's a, that's a, a, a thing, a scheme that this team could lean into more. And we've seen them play that at times this year. It's not something that they're unfamiliar with, but for whatever reason, they didn't seem to go into that in this one. So I don't know if it's because they thought they would be kind of like dinked and dunked if they did that. And maybe there's some, some resistance to that, but, when you when the clock is on your side and, and you know the opposing 
team only has a minute to move down the field, you should. I'm not saying you should play prevent, but you, what you don't want is the 20 yard completions over the top into like into the the holes in the cover too. Um, and when you, you have a quarterback who's shown repeatedly that he's capable of making those throws and allowing him to continue to have those those throws available to him, that's that's something that is a problem to me. That like, you're not making the in-game adjustments as you need to, and it's something that I'm hopeful is a lesson learned and. We can, because there are going to be other good quarterbacks that this team is going to place, um, you know, maybe not in the next couple of weeks, but eventually if they make it to, you know, round one, round two, round whatever round of the playoffs, and they're going against Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, those guys can make every throw on the field. And, like, you have to be kind of dynamic in what you're doing in the back end. You can't just show the same thing every single time and every single down distance. Um, and, and be you have to be varied and you have to, you know, not just be showing blitzes in the front and, and having the same coverage in the back. You have to be able to show one thing and, and move to a different thing. And that's something that they're going to have to work on. Yeah. Uh, you know, the biggest takeaway for me in this game was that this was ultimately super winnable. Like one of those, you know, it's one of those games where it's just like, I would have rather lost by 20 <laughs> than by one, right? Like it was like the Edwards fumble. It was the inability to stop them on that fourth, on the two point conversion, which was like, my gosh, I, I, if they didn't know, I certainly knew that they were going to throw the ball at Brandon Stevens in that situation, especially in tight coverage and Marlon Humphreys and Marcus Peters standing next to each other on the other side of the field, at least give Brandon Stevens some safety help and let him play press or have the safety being taken, take away the underneath and force a much more difficult throw for Lawrence. Instead, Stone goes and covers or Stone or Clark, whoever's the safety on that side goes and covers the tight end in the middle of the field. Couldn't possibly understand that. And then on the play after the fumble on the third and 21, this one probably drove me the most crazy, was the pass to Kirk, the 16-yard pass. The Ravens played the softest, preventiest coverage of all coverages on a third and 21 when, like, to me, that's a situation where you've got to dial up that pressure, right? Like, you can't, you can't let them get 15 of 20 yards there. Maybe you can let them have 10, force them to get the ball out quick, let your guys make a play on the ball, let them play downhill. You had everybody back on their heels, and then Kirk is just able to run 15 yards down the field, stop, and Lawrence is able to make a wide-open throw to him. Um, it's just, you know, the interception that hit Stone in the face, you know, the drop touchdown that you saw from Robinson in the back of the end zone, the missed throw from Robinson earlier in the game, you know, Justin Tucker being just barely short from 6 million yards away. Like, you know, just just so frustrating to see a game that was this close. Even even with all the miscues, any one of those combination of things, the fourth and eight, the fourth and five, you stop them on either of them on that last drive, that's the game. You know, it's just like, it's very much like the Miami game where everything was going wrong all collectively at once. And it's just like, gets in their heads. Like once Edwards fumbled the ball, I was super worried. Not just because I thought the Jags were going to score there. And the Ravens ultimately stopped them and, and didn't give up any yardage on that drive. It was just like, here we go again. And I was, it, it felt like I wasn't the only one feeling that way. It, it, it looked like McDonald and the team felt that way and whatever that is. And they, they just got to... They got to figure out how to exercise those demons before before the playoffs roll around, like you were saying, because they're probably going to be in the playoffs. It's going to take a really epic collapse for them not to be there. And and at the end of the day, all this can be water under the bridge, and it can be the growing pains of this team and a pathway to the Ravens winning the Super Bowl, or 
can be more of the same and we'll be just as frustrated <laughs> the week after next and the week after that. Yeah, it's 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 definitely I mean it's it's a week to week league. You know, we we see them play seemingly like lights out defense one week and they they kind of unravel the next um I, I'm just hopeful that it's they're still building to that peak like high performance level where everything's working. Um, better be. And maybe maybe it takes maybe it takes some of these you know these rough losses where you, you should have won and you got exposed in a certain way to identify your weaknesses along the way so you can figure out how to how to not do that same mistake when it really matters um, and you know that's kind of like the glass half full way of looking at it for sure and I'm willing to say that at this point you know the Ravens still are in good position in, in the AFC um, and I think that. They still have control of their own destiny. They have a much easier schedule, um, at least in terms of the division, much easier schedule than than the Bengals do. Although the Bengals, I think, are playing really well right now, which is not great to see, even though they're without their their best wide receiver. Um, I, th- I think that the, that Week 17 game might actually matter at this point. Um, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But it's you know the, the Ravens just need to continue to play within themselves and play smarter, I think. And coaching, more than anything else, has to be smarter. And that's something that's true for both sides of the ball. And hopefully those are the corrections that we'll see. Um, and hopefully, you know, this week against the Broncos, that has one of a, a very tragic offense. It's, you know, it's like <laughs> if the Ravens fans are complaining about the offense, like just don't watch a Broncos game. Because if <laughs> if you can imagine how terrible their, their offense has been this year, it's like it's unbelievable. It's like if, if the Ravens come out and, like, look putrid – um, against the Broncos, I think then we might go back to the conversation we we're having earlier about Greg Roman. So I wouldn't surprise me if, if the offense isn't great. I do think the defense should shut, shut out a, a Broncos team that hasn't been able to do anything all year. So uh, maybe not shut out, but shut down at least and keep them from putting up many points. Um, so that, that's a game that, you know, the Ravens really need to, to capitalize on. It's a home game, and then you can build into, you know, the I think is the Steelers the week after that? or is it, No, it's Steelers Atlanta. the week after that, yeah. Okay, so like they have a chance to kind of build, you know, build some momentum, get some wins, um, and hopefully, you know, when we talk about we talk again next week, it's going to be, you know, getting that streak started again. Yeah, I I hope so. And look, you know, you've got the Bengal or the Browns being a wild card once Watson comes back and what they look like, but you've also got the Steelers twice, the Falcons on the schedule, so. You know, the Ravens are, in that sense, you know, you mentioned the strength of the schedule being in the driver's seat. I think the next, you know, having the Broncos, Steelers, Browns in consecutive games are going to be a tough run of defenses. There are some good defensive players and some good defenses there. The Steelers have always seemed to have the Ravens number and been in Greg Roman's head ever since he's been here. Lamar, some of Lamar's worst games have been against mm-hmm. the Steelers, um, you know, under, you know, Greg Roman's always been the offensive coordinator with Lamar. So it'll it'll be really I mean, that's the watch for me It's like, what, what do we see from there? Do we see improvement in the speed of the play calls? Do we see any adjustments in terms of what the Ravens are trying to do? You know, where do those things come from? And if we see more of the same and we continue to see underperformance in terms of where things really could have gone. Right. So like, let you know. If if we were talking about as like the Ravens going three and out on three of those first four series, right, and not having four red zone trips and being able to move the ball, that's one thing. But if we continue to see four or five red zone trips a game where they're just kicking field goals, you know, 
that to me is the thing of interest to watch for the rest of the season and what the coaching staff looks like by the end of it and what adjustments that they're willing to force the hand of to, to make them, because that's going to make all the difference for this team, I think, you know, in the playoffs when it comes down to it. Yeah, I think, you know, that's, that's really all there is to it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to hopefully seeing some adjustments coming up next week. And, uh, and I think, you know, we're just, hoping that we don't have the same the same conversation again because it, at this point it just feels like you know a, a book chapter that's being replayed on repeat so I'm, I'm hoping for some new exciting things to see from maybe maybe we'll unlock the unlock the vault this this week and, and pull out some of the, the good plays as long as it's not that play with Demarcus Robinson running laterally behind the line of scrimmage <laughs> after like the fake action and then Lamar <laughs> Hoofing the ball over to him wildly to the left, and then Demarcus Robinson letting it fall in front of him instead of picking it up until the Jaguars player almost gets there and takes it away from him. That is not a good ball play. Is that is that the one where I thought it was a like a lateral and they didn't challenge it? Because I thought that might have been like a a non pass and it was called a pass. Oh, was it called a pass? I thought yeah, I thought it was called, it was called a lateral. A pass. No, oh, it was gosh, called a pass. Oh, um, and, and it was like a difference in like six or seven yards. I was like, I'm not sure why the Jaguars aren't challenging that because it looked like it was a backwards pass to me. Oh, um, I thought and it, it would have been a pass for sure. I thought so too, but it, it was called a, a regular pass. So I don't know. Unfortunately, whatever, on that whatever that was, no. ugly. <laughs> Is, remember, remember back in 2020 when they were trying to do some like really cute, weird things, and, and that was that was one of those plays. It was like a failed, complete. No, just don't do that. Yeah, or like the ones where like they would kind of like run everybody like the the Bills the play in the Bills game with the overthrow to Andrews where he was kind of open, but it's like like the huddle mesh of everybody kind of moving right, but like there's like it's just kind of like a whole blob of the offense, and like you have to hope one guy on the offense slips through, and then there being no pressure on Lamar, and then it gets through. I don't know. It's just they just just simple, sweet, spread out. Do the same things that you've been doing. Same play calls. You can run the same pools, the same action. It, it's there. It's there. I, I hope they can take advantage of it. I think this team still has a ton of upside. You know, I'm sure that we'll continue to be tweeting about it. You guys can find us on Twitter. Um, he's at Gabe Fergie. I'm at Ravens Sit Room. We'll be continuing to talk about this Ravens team. And, you know, I, I think we're most frustrated because – they haven't been what we think that they're capable of being, not because that they've been bad. So don't, you know, our criticism comes not because they're terrible, but just because we think that there's more opportunity being left on the table here. So hopefully that's what we see. Hopefully that's what all of you see. We'll keep watching this Ravens team, and uh, hopefully you guys will join us next time in the Situation Room. We'll see you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.